The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 27 of the Talkin' Buds podcast. Ryan, we made it, buddy. Oh, here we go, buddy. This is the time of year we have been waiting for, and I am so ready to get this thing started. Thursday cannot come fast enough for me, man. I'm so ready. Thursday is the day we've all been waiting for and have been mentally preparing ourselves for for the last, oh, yeah. I don't know, mentally like two months. Preparing. Yeah, mentally how long's preparing, it been? man. Like, how long has it been since we've, like, known 100% that, like, this is going to be the playoff matchup? I would say, like, January. I would say, like, all year. Yeah. Like, there wasn't a doubt that the Leafs were making the playoffs, and there wasn't a doubt that the Bruins were making the playoffs. And once Tampa took off, it was like, all right. Here we go again. So, as you just said, game one goes Thursday night at TD Garden in Boston. I, I'm i on pins and needles for this, Ryan. I, You just know the Bruins are going to come out guns blazing. That building is going to be rocking. It's going to be a hostile environment. And they're going to have to weather the storm for the first half of the first period. It's going to be an absolute nightmare, man. I, the only thing I can guarantee about this series is that first game, either in the first period or throughout the entire 60 minutes, it is going to be a storm coming the Maple Leafs way, and we'll see how they respond to it, because that first period, if they go down early, yikes. Watch oh, out. Yeah. It'll be just like last year if they go down early. Oh, dude, like, I, I, that's the only thing I can guarantee is that the Bruins are going to come out guns blazing and the Maple Leafs are going to have to find a way to deal with it. And if not, they're going to get destroyed in that first game. What are your, like, what's your prediction for the series? Let's get it. The next time we talk, it'll be after game one in our newly announced postseason pint postgame shows. We're going to be doing one after every single Leaf playoff game. Let's just let's just get out of the way right now. What are you predicting in this series? I think I, I think just a per, predicting a Bruins victory. Like I think everyone is predicting that, and it's hard to not predict that because we've seen what this hockey team has done to the Maple Leafs for the past several years, and especially last year in the playoffs. Even though it did come down in Game Seven in the third period, but you you could argue the Maple Leafs are are not as strong as a team as they were last year, and. I don't think the people who are out there saying this is going to go four games like that, that I don't see that happening at all. Like four games like that would be a tough go. I, I don't see them doing that. I see this going six, six games and maybe the Bruins taking it in six. I, I'd be surprised even if they took it in five games. Like you never know what could happen in the playoffs. Like they could go seven again. But I, 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 I think anyone who's watched this hockey team 
who's watched the Bruins play hockey are for sure predicting a Bruins victory in that first round. Obviously, my heart is with the Leafs, and I really, really, really hope that they can get it figured out and just advance to the second round. I think everyone needs that. I just, I, just, I want to see that happen, but I, I got to be honest. If you held a gun to my head and said, put some money down on it, I'm with you. I'm thinking Bruins in six or seven. Oh, I just, dude, dude, I'm filling out playoff brackets right now, and it's like, I love the Leafs. We do a Leafs podcast. They're our favorite hockey team, but you would be silly to pick the Maple Leafs in this series. They're the underdogs, and they're they're going to have a tough go, man. Like, even if they come out and play well that first game and maybe sneak out a victory... Once that one Bruin decides to punch a Maple Leaf in the face, like the series is going to turn immediately right after that. And that's the, that's the, um, the, the X factor, right? That's when are the Bruins really going to turn up the heat? Oh yeah. With the physicality and the mental warfare. And will the Leafs be able to respond? And, and I think the Leafs could almost lull the Bruins into playing their style of game. If the Maple Leafs go out and actually execute their style of game. But you know at some point someone's going to get punched in the face or someone is going to get run or someone is going to go into Chara's corner and get dummied. And it's going to be up to the Maple Leafs to be like, okay, I just went into Chara's corner. I got dummied. But I'm going to go back there because this is the NHL playoffs and I need to pay a price to make it to the next round and the next round. So I, I, I if they go out and they're, they can continue to go in Chara's corner and take that punishment, then I feel like this could be a series. But if they wilt after that one big hit, dude, they're, they're done. You made the, um, the earlier point about the consensus being that they don't have a shot in the Bruins or just the more experienced, tougher, um, more mentally ready team. And that has sort of seeped into the dressing room. I find that like Babcock over the last couple days that uh, has really made a effort, a concerted effort to sort of change the narrative. Like, like there was a quote uh, yesterday or Sunday or something that said, I checked this last time I checked the standings we're uh, we're a pretty good team. And they're not letting the negativity in the fan base try and seep into the room, which I think is smart. And then there was a, a uh, picture posted today on Twitter of Babcock and Matthews having like a one-on-one meeting after oh, yeah. practice. I saw the video of that, and then they asked them after, and they were both like, yep, sorry, we're not telling you. What do you think they're talking about? Well, we've suspected that maybe there's a rift between the two, but when you're going into a big playoff series, I think that stuff gets put aside, and maybe it was Mike going up to Austin and being like, hopefully he went up to Austin. And said, dude, you're my horse, man. Like, I'm going to run you in this series. He and- has to actually do that, though. That's that's the thing. Is It's like he has to – he needs to play 23, 25 minutes a night. Yeah, and but maybe, maybe they don't have the best relationship, but your coach coming up to you, regardless of your relationship, before a big playoff series and looking at you in the face and being like, you're my guy. I'm going to run you out there. You need to come up big because if you don't, we're not going to win this series. And maybe a conversation like that gets Matthews kind of like, all right, like let, let's go here. Like this is, this is big boy time. We've been ousted first round two years in a row. Last year was devastating. 
and and I need to be the big dog here. And maybe Mike went up to him and just reminded him that, dude, you're you're the highest paid player on this team starting next year. You're the franchise, and you need to be the guy in this series if if we're going to win. And that's it. And that's a message that he wanted to send to his best player. Elliot Friedman was on the radio today and was asked this question, and I wanted to ask it of you. Who has the most pressure on them going into this series? I think Frederick Anderson has the most pressure on him, to be honest Ooh, with you. That's an interesting answer. That's that's not what I was thinking you were going to say. You can say Austin Matthews all you want, but if Freddie goes in... I think William and- Nylander. I think William Nylander and Mike Babcock are the two people who have the most pressure on them. If William Nylander plays anywhere close to the way he played this season, he's going to get roasted all off season. Well, he sucks. Well, he's going to get, yeah, well, he's going to get roasted all off. Like he, when it comes, if I think out of anyone, Babcock has the most pressure on him. And out of all the players, I think William Nylander has the most pressure on him. I think Mike, I agree with you with Mike Babcock. Mike Babcock has a tremendous amount of pressure on him and maybe going up to Austin Matthews today and trying to get his big player to help him out because he doesn't want to face all the heat in the off season. But I said Freddie because if he if Freddie doesn't show up and play well, like they're done, man. Like yeah. he has to know after all the shots he's faced wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf uniform and this season that he needs to come up huge in this series if they have any chance to win. He has to pull out a 40-save performance. One game, two games, how many games it takes in this series because the Bruins are going to come fast. They're going to come furious. They're going to come hungry. They're going to crash the net, and it's going to be up to Freddie Anderson to keep his demeanor and play extremely well under pressure. So I think Frederick Anderson, regardless of how well he's played and how much people in the fan base love him and and understand how important he is to this hockey team, he has to be feeling it going in because there was questions of him in the last series in Game 7, and he hasn't really won a huge game for this hockey team yet. So I think he is the X factor in this series, and he should be feeling a serious amount of pressure going into this series, knowing that he has to make big save after big save for this hockey team to advance. That's pretty well put. I can't disagree with that logic. That's pretty well put. Before we move on and start doing uh, regular season report cards, I put uh, I asked our Instagram followers if they had any questions that they'd like answered on the show tonight. And your buddy, Sean Riddell, reached out and said, how is it possible that Marinson still gets called up to play in the NHL? He might be the worst D in the NHL. So... I have my opinions, but I'll let you go first. You want to take that one? Well, first of all, Sean, world-class beauty. Let's mm-hmm. let's get that right, first of all. We appreciate the question. We really appreciate the question. And second of all, because Mike Babcock, for some reason, just prefers him over some of the other defensemen like Hall and Oshaganoff. I have no idea why this guy gets put in the lineup if there's an injury. We've talked about it on this podcast. He is so brutal that you can't even get angry at him on the ice anymore because the coach puts him in there and everyone knows who watches the games. He has no business being in this lineup. 
I have, I, I honestly have no idea why he continues to put him in there. He's yeah, awful. Especially because he's a left-handed shot, too. Like, if he was a righty, I'd be like, well, it's because he's a right-handed shot. There's some, one of our favorite things ever, there's some sort of analytic out there or stat that Mike Babcock sees about Marty Marinson, and somehow that just continues to make him be like, you know what, I think Marty's a good option. For this, for this fill-in spot on the D. And God forbid a D-man gets injured in this series. Because if I see Marty Marinson in this series, I might as well turn it off because it's over. So, I, I honestly, like, what, what what do you think? Like, I, I have no idea. It just has to be a Babcock thing. Uh, talk- it, ha- it, it, it has to be. Yeah. Yeah. It it definitely has to be a Babcock thing. I don't, like I said, if he was he a right-handed sucks. shot, if he was a right-handed shot, I would say it's because he's a right-handed shot. But he's not. He's a lefty. So it's like, I, I don't know why. He can't he, skate. He can't pass. He can't shoot. He can't make good decisions. He's brutal. Don't get it. I don't know what. Uh, maybe we got we to gotta call Mike and get him to answer because I have no idea. Speaking of analytics, there was a column yesterday about the Leafs and Mike Babcock and the organization in the front office. And I found this really interesting that they are all over this metric called expected goals. And here's the quote from Mike Babcock. What we try to do is expected goals for and expected goals against, basically all the time by charting chances and knowing where we're at. So we've really tried to make the big focus giving up as little as we possibly can. We think it's the best way to have success. So and then and then it goes on the the uh, the author of the column, Dave Festchuk, who I know it's fe- like I, when I saw this, I was kind of like oh, Dave Festchuk, but I was like, wait, I'll re-, like I <laughs> found this kind of interesting. This guy's an idiot here. Yeah, <laughs> this guy's such an idiot, eh? Tracking ex- so I'll, I'll read this. This is from Dave Festchuk's column. Tracking expected goals is a way of keeping an eye on the team's adherence to process over its night to night puck luck. General Manager Kyle Dubas has pronounced himself a fan of the stat. The idea goes something like this. Attempts to score actual goals either go in or they don't. They're either a 1 or a 0, but expected goals are calculated by assigning various fractions of goals to correspond with the quality of any given scoring chance. So that's a bit of a mouthful. So basically it's like... Do you do you know what what they're going at here? That's like they're measuring like chances. It's yeah, and it sounds great on paper. Like, doesn't it? You read that, you're like, oh, okay. Like, I can see a couple guys sitting down, finding X, finding Y, finding Z, trying to find the best way to put together a hockey lineup. But it sounds so baseball to me, man. Like, this is this is a little bit too much. How about you you put down the pen and paper and you watch the game. Because if Marty Marinson somehow is high on the expected goals sh- stat, then that stat must suck. And I, I, it sounds great on paper. Like, it all makes sense. Like, if you were to present that to me, if Kyle Dubas sat down and were to explain that stat to me, I'd be like, oh, okay, it kind of makes sense. But if he really broke it down for me and showed, like, obviously Mitch Marner's probably through the roof on that stat. Well, like, well, it's another, like, here's another, here's another quote from the fast check piece. Toronto's actual goal differential over the span of 15 games 
has been a dismal minus 14. Their expected goal differential, according to numbers at moneypuck.com, was a healthy plus 7.5. So rethink that 3-1 loss to the Lightning earlier this week. The expected goal count gave the Lightning the win by the slimmest of margins, 3.09 to 3.02. And as far as the 4-2 loss of the Senators the week before in which Garrett Sparks' 5-hole was so obscenely exposed, the expected goal tracker had the Maple Leafs at 3.54 to 1.59 at the buzzer. So, you still lost the game, though. That's where all that's where these numbers kind of fall apart for me. Like, I know the mentality is if you keep trending at these numbers, things will start to go your way. But it's like, at the end of the day, it goes in the loss column. No? Like, am I missing something here? It's just, like, I, I, I it, it kind of is a nice little thing to look at, and it's a good way to get yourself through some tough times in a season. Like, if you're losing three games in a row, you can look at that tonight and be like, oh, whatever, it should have been 3-0. Look at this stat. This is a 3-0 and stat, not an 0-3 stat. But it's that saying, it's, you're never as bad... As you think you are when you're losing, you're never as good as you think you are when you're winning. But it it it's you just watch the games, man. Like I'm sorry, losing to the Ottawa Senators is unacceptable. Like I, I get the whole Tampa thing. You can kind of look at that when you lose to such a great team like Tampa and be like, okay, we were in this game, we were a little better than what we thought. But when you lose to the Ottawa Senators, you every stat goes in the garbage, man. Like. These things need to be applied in, in in smart little ways. You can't just have your overall picture of your hockey team be based around these type of stats or else you're going to end up with a very soft, small, non-consistent team like the Toronto Maple Leafs are and they have been for the past two months or half the season. How's it going, everybody? Thank you very much for downloading the show. If you want to interact with us further, you can follow us on Instagram at Talkin' Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talkin' Buds Pod. You can download the show on iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and YouTube. Spread the word. Tell your friends. Join the Talkin' Buds fan club. We really appreciate it. Now, 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 let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Without further ado, let's get into player report cards. We're going to go through every player on the active roster and just give them a grade and say a little something about their performance. So, so Ryan, let's let's start from the net and work our way out. And what better way to start than the big story over the weekend? Garrett Sparks will not be the backup goaltender in the first round series against the Boston Bruins, Michael Hutchison will be the backup goaltender. Sparks is going to take some time away to 
work with the Leafs and Marley's goalie coaches to try and get his game back. Do you know why? Because he stinks. Because he sucks. Yep. Because he stinks and he hasn't yeah. stopped a puck all season. Yeah, he's been he sucks. all year. Yeah, he does. Okay, so let's just start it. Garrett, Garrett Sparks, he's getting an F from me. Yeah, he's an F. 100%. Not, I don't even need to say year. a blurb about him. He's an F. Yeah, wasn't we've talked about him a lot. He's been my bum of the week for two weeks in a row. So anyone who listens to the show knows how I feel and how you feel about Garrett Sparks. So we don't need to continue on. Garrett Sparks, you get an F. Yeah, he's me during my whole high school career. Freddie Anderson, A plus for me. I know he had uh, he had a little dip in the last few weeks, but I wholeheartedly believe the Maple Leafs would be in that wild card fight if not for him. He's the one that helped keep them solidified in a playoff spot and never really lost control of it and were never really in real danger of losing their playoff position. So Freddie Anderson gets an A plus from me. Uh, I'll go an A minus. A I'll give, minus. I'll give Freddie an A minus because he was having such a career year. And then if you look at his stats now, he basically just completely leveled out to his career average. So I'll, I'll give him an A minus instead of an A plus. I agree with everything you said. He's this team is nothing without him, but he was having an, an A plus season and then the last month kind of ruined it for me. So he he's he's at the A minus level for me. Now we're going to move to the blue line. So we'll start with Callie Rosen. He gets an NA from me and not applicable. He's only been up a few games. Uh, I've liked some things I've seen. Haven't liked some other things I've seen. The sample size for me at this point is too small. Um, He is going to be on the roster for playoff time. So I'm going to hold. We're going to do... um, We're kind of going to go over this again after they've been eliminated, whenever that happens. So... He, I, I'm gonna hold judgment on Callie Rosen for now. He's the savior, though. Yeah. Justin Hole, another one. Small sample size, but he's gonna get a C from me. I thought he's been okay when he's in the lineup. Hasn't been great. Again, not totally his fault. He gets, he's getting the Babcock treatment of being shoved in the press box for an entire season. So while that might not might not necessarily be fair to give him a C, I'm giving him a C. Yeah, I'll, I'll hop on you because it, it's tough being in the press box every night and then being called upon to to do something and earn your way into the lineup when the coach already doesn't like you. So it, it's a tough situation. I'll piggyback your C. Igor Ojaganov. Okay, Igor, 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 Igor. I'll give Igor a C, too. I'll throw him yeah. in the same category as Justin Hall. I don't think he's awful, but, like, he's he he's, he's he is what he is. He's a 5'6 defenseman. Yeah, and it, it, grading these guys are a little bit different because it's hard to really judge a guy when he's not in the lineup every single night. And I, I kind of feel for those guys. I know there's pre- guys in the press box all over the league, but it's really tough to, to hop in after sitting in the press box and make and impact. So those guys are kind of lumped in the same C category for me. Marty Marinson. Oh, Marty. I just got to give Marty D. a D minus because yeah, it's just, yeah, he, I, yeah. you know, it's not his fault, but I'm just, everyone's so sick of this guy watching. Marty needs hockey. to stay late for some extra tutoring. Yeah. <laughs> 
Marty needs to learn how to make a up. pass. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Marty needs yeah. to learn how to not turn the puck over every time he's on the ice. Yeah, Marty needs to do uh, some some extra homework and get his grades up a little bit because he he's brutal. I'm really been looking forward to this one, Nikita Zaitsev. Okay, well let, let let's let's throw Oshigan off and and haul into the C category, but that's the press box. That's a press box C. Yes. And what I mean by that is it's I feel bad for those guys. Nikita yeah. Zaitsev for me. A guy C-minus. playing playing every every night. He he he's a D plus for me. Yeah, D D plus to a C minus for sure. Well, I guess it's kind of the same thing, but it's just everyone knows he he he's he's brutal, man. Like he he's just his contract, the way he plays, what he brings, it's just nothing special. Yeah, I don't I don't know what it is he brings. And like I'm trying not to be a jerk, right? Like I don't I don't want to be an ass, but like what what does he bring that like you can say, well, at least he does this. He's a body and he's a body that that's better than Marty Marinson. That's the best compliment I could give him. Jake Muzzin. Jake Muzzin. Ooh. Ooh. I'll give Jake Muzzin a B minus. Yep. Uh, yep. It's exactly the same for me. Because I, I think he he showed a little bit of offensive flair. He showed a little bit of physicality. But there was some points in the season where he looked like he was skating in mud. Yeah. He definitely slow. looks. He definitely looks like the play is a little fast for him at times but i do like what he brings from a physicality perspective and i do like that he is they finally have a defenseman who's got a legit shot from the point yeah i i think he i i like some of the offensive of chip-ins he had when he was acquired like i thought he scored some some decent decent timing goals in some hockey games that were important so i'll, I'll bump up his rating for that but there was don't 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 get me wrong. There was a couple times this guy just baked up a margarita pizza and threw it up the middle of the ice. Oh yeah. Here we go. One of the more polarizing ones, Ronald Hainsey. Ron Hainsey. And Ron Hainsey gets a B from me this year. And I'd put him higher, but he just doesn't do enough other than what his job is. Like, you know, he does his role perfectly he helps out Riley. He's a steady guy, but he doesn't do enough for me to be like, oh, this guy's great. But I, I don't hate on Hainsey ever. I think he's he's been good for this hockey team. He's a good partner for Riley, but he, he gets a B for me. Couldn't have said it better myself. He also gets a B from me. I don't hate him as much as everyone. Like there's a segment of the fan base that just hates this guy and it's like it's not his fault that Babcock shoves him out there 25 minutes a night no and I I get that you want him to be slotted down but guess what that's not the case and for what he's done for in the position he's been put in has been pretty decent in my opinion so I'll back Hainsey and I think he's just a beauty I think he's a beauty off the ice he seems like a good dude so Ronnie you're getting a B Morgan Riley. A plus oh, plus. Yeah, A plus for me as well. A plus plus. Yeah, he's their best defenseman. He solidified himself as a legit number one defenseman. He's my choice to be the next captain of the team, not Austin Matthews. Um, he he should be in the Norris discussion. 
he was one of their best players from opening night until now. A plus. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll say it right now. He's my MVP of the season for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh. He's my pick as MVP. Like the, the workload this guy has to shoulder on that defense core and what he's done, his improvement in all areas of the ice, especially offensively, he, he is honestly without a doubt my MVP of the season. Travis Dermott, new market's own. Travis Dermott. Hmm. It's an interesting one. He missed a little bit of time. B plus. B plus. You know, I'll go with I'll go with a I'll go with a B. I'll go with a B for Dermott instead of a B plus. He has so much upside. And when he was out, you really saw that they lacked puck moving defensemen. And he, like I said, he's only gonna get better. Like, look at Riley. This Riley's like what, like fifth year in the league? And he's just coming into his own yeah, now. Honestly. And like, yeah, so I, how's tons Dermot of growth gonna be? for Dermot. Yeah, how's Dermot going to be in five years? Yeah, he's going to be really good. I, I, I'll i still put him at a B, though. I'll put him on Haynes' level. And I save the best for last. The most polarizing for last. I said Ron Hainsey was the most polarizing. I lied. Jake Gardner. Jakey. Brian Burke's son. Yep. Brian Burke's pride and joy. Oh, dude, this one's tough for me because I thought Gardner had a pretty good year when he was in the lineup. He missed 20 games, but he, he, I thought he was decent in the lineup. I'll put him at a, I'll put him at a B plus. I'll put him at a B. I'll put him at a B and here's why. I, again, like I just said about Dermot, you really saw, um, his value like Jake Gardner is so unique in that his being injured made his value go up. So there's that. Yeah. But which is, which is the, the main reason why I have him at a B plus really the egregious turnovers, the, the, the boneheaded decisions with the puck just cannot be overlooked in my mind. And that's why I'm putting him at a solid B. He's an important part of their team, but I still don't know if I trust him 100% when he's out there. I'll go quick here. He's my B plus because at the beginning of the year when everyone knew he was going to walk after this season, I I was one of those people being like, you know what? They're not going to miss him that bad. And now I know for a fact that they are really going to miss him back there. That put him up for me. So he's, he's a B plus now. All right, let's move into the forwards. Tyler Ennis. Tyler Ennis. See, these are tough because you gotta you gotta like set a standard grade for like a player. Based, yeah, and like based on what like he's a fourth line guy. Yeah, and uh, I'll put Tyler Ennis as a C plus. Yeah, C plus to a B minus. He had a couple great games. Couple stud games actually where he was he was their best goal scorer he got it sparked for them but when he he's not doing that he's he looks pretty irrelevant and small and he's a fourth liner trevor moore trevor moore i'll I'll put trevor moore as a as a c plus as well i'll lump him in that category hard worker showed a a little bit of skill at times but just needs a lot more seasoning i like what he brings yeah, me too. I, I think he'll be a good player for them, a good role player for them. I don't know if he's a top six guy, but I just need to see a little more from Trevor Moore to give him a little more than a C plus. 
Nick Patan. Nick Haven't Patan. seen a whole hell of a yeah, lot. Yeah, I gotta go right? NA with Nick yeah. Patan. Yeah, still, there's still too much. Like there hasn't been much of a sample size. Like there's too much speculation. I don't know. Yeah, I think I think we'll give Patan the Callie Rosen treatment and say we haven't seen enough of him in order to like fairly assess his play. Yeah, leave Nicky alone. Here's one that I've been um, waiting to ask you, Freddie the Goat. Freddie the Goat. I'm gonna give Freddie the Goat C minus for me. Yeah, D plus or a C minus. Yeah, he because. He's stuck he had, in there, man. Uh, he uh, he's had a, a handful of games this year, and by handful, I mean like three, four, where I thought he looked really good. And then he's had other games, aka the game the other night against Tampa, where he just gets exposed. And he kind of and I kind of start looking at him the same way I look at Marinson, where it's like he's just in over his head. I don't see them winning a Stanley Cup with Freddie the Goat as their fourth line center. I'm sorry. Goat yeah. Nation. Yeah. I don't I don't see it happening. He's not good enough. He was their first round pick a oh, few yeah. years ago. Can you it, believe that? Yeah, it took him forever to get into the NHL. But the only reason why I'm giving him any sort of grade is because he played 70 hockey games this year and not in a million years did I think Freddie the Go would ever play 70 hockey games in one season in the National Hockey League. And he he, he didn't do much. And he, he he's big boy, doesn't use it, doesn't use his size, no, no skill. A, he's a gentle giant. Hands of stone. Freddie the Goat, good nickname, but I'll, the only reason why I'll give him any sort of a grade is because he stuck in there and he played 70 games. So I never thought he'd be able to do that. Connor Brown. Oh, Connor Brown. D, straight D. He he scored a nice goal in Ottawa a couple weeks ago, and that's about it. Guy was invisible all year. Yeah. Totally lost his game. Was totally ineffective. If he's not producing points you expect him to be a hymen type where he's like uh difficult on the four check and he was not that decent penalty killer the only thing honestly that pulls him out of the f category for me is his penalty killing that brings him up to a d but yeah he did a whole lot of nothing this year and he's a guy who i you might not see back next year in my opinion and but that and that's only if dubis does that because if the coach has his way connor brown would get the c on his sweater (laughs) honestly yeah i think these grades are kind of based on like the expectations we had for guys coming into the season and connor brown just fell short man he didn't contribute offensively any line he was put on other than the fourth line he didn't really do much so i'm i'm gonna piggyback your your d with connor brown he had a tough year tough year man and he 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 was signed as a 20 goal scorer being a promising forward who could chip in offensively but potentially play in your top six but he's been he's been bad man patty marlow oh boy d minus yeah, I was gonna give him a straight D, like like I just did with Connor Brown. But yeah, I, I didn't. Another guy who who did a whole hell of a lot of nothing all year, and like I know he's like the 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 Iron Man, the veteran, and all the young guys love him, and and I definitely think that counts for something. 
but yeah, pretty ineffective all season long. Yeah, D minus, man. Like I know we gave Connor. I know you look at Connor Brown and or Marlowe had more points than Connor Brown, but Patty Marlowe was given way more opportunity in a top six role and playing on Matthew's line, and he's just been invisible nine out of ten nights. So he's a D minus for me. Nazem Kadri. Oh boy. Oh boy. Nazem, Nazem, Nazem. Based on my expectations for Nazem Kadri, I'm going to give him a C plus. Yeah, I would I was gonna say C to C plus. Yeah, because I, I can't I can't a C I was like I he wasn't like he wasn't like horrible, but compared to what you expect from Nazem Kadri. After they got Tavares, you were like Kadri's gonna be the big beneficiary from this. Oh yeah. He's gonna get all the third pairing matchups, he's gonna get all the goals, but at the end of the day the guy had sixteen goals and under fifty points, and it's not what I expect from him. I expect him to be able to somewhat carry a third line, and he just didn't do that this year. So that that's the that's why I'm giving him that grade. And I know like he's been a little snake bit. He's had a lot of posts. He's had injury troubles, and that's definitely put a factor. But I know he's got more. So yes, I'll go with you. I'll say C plus. Yeah, he still played 73 games. Like it's not like he missed half the season like when he plays 73 games you still gotta produce something and he just he just fell a little short this year andreas Janssen. oh andreas Janssen. i'll give andreas Janssen a uh a b yeah i'm gonna say yeah b b as well i i i like another guy tons of upside is only gonna get better uh there are nights where he looks better than others um but again i think this is a guy who has shown that there's there's a lot of talent and skill there, and he's he's an asset for sure. Yeah, and it's his first full season in the National Hockey League, and he got 20 goals, and he looked and he was really good for them at some points this season. So my expectation for him, what I had for him going into the season, he started on the fourth line, he worked his way up, he scored 20 goals. So you know what, he he had a decent year. He, he sometimes you wish he had a little more, but he's still is still first full year in the National Hockey League. Casperi Kapanen. Ooh, Casperi Kapanen. B plus for me. B plus? He, yeah, he's cooled off in the last few weeks, but he was great for the first part of the year. Um, I, guys just like lightning fast, mesmerizingly fast. Another guy who is only going to get better, still like still a pretty much a rookie. Like I know he's been like he was he's been up like for a few years now, but I to, I, I just don't see him as like like he he was he was a, like a half leaf, half Marley until this season in my eyes. Yeah. So Casper Kapanen, I I I've, he's got some highlight real goals this year. Really upset when he cut the salad. Yeah, that was upsetting. That was a, I don't understand why he did that. No, but in any the flow event, ski was looking was looking mint, and he just just chopped that right off. B plus for me. Yeah, I'll, I'll lump him in with, for, for me, I'll put him as a B. I'll lump him in with Janssen. They both had 20 goals. Kapanen had one more assist than Janssen. So for me, guys kind of being in the same position, I'm going to put them both at a B. Zach Hyman. A minus. A minus. Uh, you took it right out of my 20 goal score. Zach Hyman. 
fit in beautifully with Marner and Tavares. Brings it every single Diet, night. Dude, if you don't like Zach Hyman, you don't like... You're just a hater Hawk. at this yeah. point. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't like hockey if you, don't, if you hate Zach Hyman. Brings like it each, every single yeah, night. Like, Such an important piece on this team. Such an important piece. Honestly, he made me a fan this year. I've always been a Zach Hyman kind of like, eh. Yeah, he works hard, but whatever. This year completely changed my mind. I'm a I'm a Hyman fan, man. He gets an A minus for me. All right, I saved the four big boys for last. I've been looking forward to this one in particular, baby. Number twenty nine, William Nylander. William Nylander gets a hard, hard D for me. Oh, a hard D, of, maybe an F. Th- think about what you just said. A hard D. (laughs) 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 All right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You want to try that again? Yeah. I think I I think I might want to give that another go. Willie Nylander gets a D minus from me. I got, D minus. Yeah, you're gonna D be minus. even harder than me. I said I'm gonna go straight D. Oh, dude, he he's he's he sucks. Yeah. Like all this all this drama, all this time we spent wasting our breath talking about his contract negotiation and to give this guy a pile of money and for him to do absolutely nothing and just listen. It's you 27 I- points in 54 games for a guy who demanded a, a lot of a lot of money for his for what he's produced. It's not good enough, and it's it's it without the puck. It's it's really not good enough. We've rant and raved about William Nylander a lot, but this is what I'll, all I'm gonna say. On Thursday night, Willie Nylander has a chance to make us all forget the disappointing season that he that that we sat and watched he's got a chance cuz guess what he goes out and lights it up in the playoffs none of us will remember that he stunk in the regular season so but, yeah i don't believe for a second he's going to do that though so not at all yeah it's it's up for debate i'm listen this is I'm saying it right now on this podcast. Write it down. Monday, April 8th. I William Nylander's last chance with me is this playoff series against Boston. If he goes Houdini and disappears, I'm gone. I'm out. I'm, I'm done. I've seen all I've had to see between last year's playoff series and the, the season that he's had this year. I'm done. I want to see the William Nylander that was in the postseason two years ago against the Washington Capitals where he was a force. I want to see that. And so, Willie, prove me wrong. Prove Ryan wrong. We Let's go. Let's go. All right. John Tavares. Johnny T, man, A the plus, 40, yeah, 47 the, goals, Yeah, the bro. 47, man. It's hard not to give a guy an A plus when you end up with 47 snipes. If I had Geos. to if I had to nitpick, you said it before, there are times where he does look a bit slow, but 
Guy's got 47 goals. When he signed here in the summer, there's no way that we would have predicted he was gonna he was gonna produce at this rate. A plus. Yeah, honestly, like it, it's hard not to give him that at this point. Exceeded expectations. Yeah, I, I, I'm gonna have to. I was thinking about giving him an A. I was thinking about it. But 47 goals, man. Being a guy in a Maple Leaf uniform scoring 47 goals, like it's an A-plus for me. So there's two names left. I'm going to put them in this specific order for a reason. My fiery hot take of this report card segment is coming up next. Austin Matthews. What do you got? B-plus. I was, I was right there with you. Austin exact Matthews, great ahead. You look at you look at the numbers and it's another great season. And like 37 goals, 36 career assists. high in points with 73 points. Yeah, career Only high in playing points. 68 games. Didn't totally pass the eye test for me. No. No, he I thought he started the yeah. season like an absolute rocket and was dominant. The dominant force that I expected him to be. When he was drafted, we, and over the last three years he's been here, he's been touted as someone who could quite possibly go down as the greatest player to ever wear the Maple Leaf sweater. And I did not see that domination night in and night out this year. I saw a guy who looked disinterested at times. And I saw a guy who really struggles defensively at times. And for me, I think it's a confidence thing. I think he's nervous given his injury history. And I know there's more in the tank. I've seen the fact that there's more in the tank. Austin Matthews is... I'm I'm the biggest Austin Matthews fan in the world. But B-plus for me, there's more... He's got more to give. Your thoughts. Yeah, I didn't like his... I think the biggest difference between this year and the two years before is his five-on-five play was was not as good, especially in his own zone. Like, in his own zone, he... I thought he struggled a lot defensively this year. Like, one thing about Austin Matthews, you're, you're going to get your 35 Genos, guaranteed, but his defensive play this year was was not very good, and he couldn't really find a stable line and the power play dried up. He got his power play. He got a couple power play Genos, but the the power play dried up. And it's just he. I, I'm with you. Like there's sometimes you look at his stats and you're like, ah, career career high in points, whatever. He missed a bunch of games, but he there was a couple nights where you're like this guy should be dominating the play a little bit more, and he's just he's just not doing it. And I expect more from him. So. Hopefully he bounces back next season. I feel like he's only going to get better as he gets older, but I'm with you on the B+. Ryan, if someone came to me right now and said, Rob, who is the best player that the Toronto Maple Leafs have? My answer would be number 16, Mitchell Marner. A plus for me. Best guy, night in and night out. The reason John Tavares has 47 goals, the reason Zach Hyman has 20 goals is because they play with Mitch Marner. Like I've said, if I'm Mitch Marner's agent, 
I'm sitting across the table this summer from Kyle Dubas and I'm looking at him and saying, I'm really excited to hear your reasoning as to why uh, my client should take a cent less than Austin Matthews. Yeah. And dude, at the beginning of the year, at the first episode of this podcast, we were like, can Marner be a point of game player? Dude, he exceeded that expectation and night in night out. He is the only guy who's consistently producing offense and consistently creating chances on that ice. Him and Morgan Riley are the two guys are uh, that are the top of the class on this hockey team. John Tavares falls behind that, and Austin Matthews falls behind that for this season. And and Freddie too. I don't want to include Freddie. I'm just talking about players, but th- that's the class to me. Marner and Riley have just been out of this world good this season for this hockey team. Well, there you have it, folks. Went through the whole roster. Everybody got a letter grade. I'm sure we'll do a a playoff report card as well. Plus, we're going to be naming nightly bums and beauties in the post-game pints. So, that'll come. So, Rye, what do you, like, since we're not doing bums and beauties, how do you feel about just running through some of these other series? Let's go, I, buddy. This I, is, I don't know. I don't know about NHL you. bracket season. This is NHL bracket season. Have you filled out a bracket? I'm I'm going to fill out a bracket very soon. I've, I've I'm in two brackets this year. I've filled out one. I got another one to go. So we te- we've been teeing Leafs Bruins up for months. So we'll just skip that one. Let's stay in the East. The Tampa Bay Lightning against the Columbus Blue Jackets. Your thoughts on this series and prediction of how you think it's going to go. Yeah, I got Tampa running through Columbus. Mm, How many I, games? I, Columbus is pretty good. I, I have a tough time with the games, but I'll say Tampa and five. Yeah, yeah. Bobrovsky might steal Columbus one game. Maybe, maybe six because Columbus is is a tough team and they, they can might cause trouble, but the Lightning are just too good to lose in the first round. So I'll say five games for the Lightning. The Washington Capitals against the Carolina Hurricanes. I got the Capitals in four. Four? Yeah. Yeah, you think the Capitals are marching to another Stanley Cup? Yep. I think the the Capitals are my pick coming out of the East. Interesting. Yeah, Yeah. I I don't see. I don't see. I don't see Carolina. Tom Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Run that guy out on the ice and see what happens. A contender for what could be the most entertaining back-and-forth series of the first round, the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins. I am going to take the Pittsburgh Penguins in the upset. I just think, what's the difference between the New York Islanders and the Pittsburgh Penguins? Sidney Crosby, Geno Malkin, superstars who have been there before. The The Islanders standings, yeah, the the standings say would be an upset, but at the end of the day, it'd be an upset if the Islanders beat the Penguins in this series. The Islanders had their nice little season and that was good for them, but I just don't see Sidney Crosby losing in the first round to the New York Islanders. I see Sidney Crosby losing in the second round to Alex Ovechkin and the Capitals again. Yeah, I see O.V. Crosby again in the second round. Yep. For sure. I'll take the Penguins in seven. Yep. Yep. Penguins in six or seven. All right, let's move over to the West. The one-seed Calgary Flames against the wildcard number two Colorado Avalanche. Yeah, I got Calgary in six. 
Yeah, uh, same. I got Calgary in six as well. Calgary's goaltending will come back to haunt them later in the postseason. Yeah, the not this early. Round. Not this early. Colorado cannot defend. And something and, and, and Calgary's like Mark Giordano is maybe my favorite hockey player in the National Hockey League. Like Calgary has some beauties on their hockey team. I see them I see them going six games, getting rid of the Avalanche. Many of the experts are saying that the the team that represents the West in the Cup Final will come out of this next series, the San Jose Sharks and the Vegas Golden Knights. I'll go with, since we, we've kind of been leaning towards the, the easy favorites, I'll go Golden Knights in seven. Yeah, same. I think uh, another team whose goaltending I think is going to bite them is the San Jose Sharks. I think the San Jose Sharks, like, I know they got Eric Carlson and, and Brett Burns, but there's just, there's something about that hockey team that just doesn't, doesn't do it for me. So I'll pick Vegas to, to come up big and go seven and win that. The Nashville Predators and the Dallas Stars, I'm going Preds in four or five. Yeah, I'll go Preds in six. Yeah, I don't see Dallas. I don't see. Yeah. 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 Here's an interesting one. How are you leaning yeah, with this dude. one? The last one. The Jets and the St. Louis Blues. I'm going Blues in seven. Wow. Yeah. And does Paul Maurice, is, if the Jets lose, does Paul Maurice get fired? Potentially, man. Yeah. It, it, this is my like one surprise pick of the playoffs. I'm picking the Blues and the Bennington brick wall yeah. to get to go seven and beat the Jets. Because, dude, the Blues are good, man. Yeah, they like, are they, good. They're good hockey team. And they now they have some goaltending, like... Tyler Bozak. Yeah, Bozy. Like, yeah, I, I could see the, the Blues kind of surprising people and, and taking out the Jets early because the Jets with Connor Hellebuck and Nett, like, ugh. Yeah, and the Jets have like kind of kind of sputtered down the end here. Like they've, they've like, like they had a closed door meeting the other day. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I just, where's Patrick Lyonet? Like, where, is he on Robita Island? I, I, I haven't know. even heard of the guy. Like, I what is he know. doing? I don't know. He's on the I, bench. That's a good, that's a good question. I have no idea. Paul Maurice is sitting him on the bench because he stinks. Yeah. Yeah. He does stink. All right. And with that, that will do it for episode 27. The next time you will hear from us is after game one in our very first postseason pint. We posted the other day the announcement we're going to be doing special post-game review shows. I'm going to be asking everyone on our Instagram to submit questions or their feedback from the game, and we'll read it out on the show. Really looking forward to it, Ryan. Oh, yeah, dude. Just hopping on after a fresh loss in game one. Can't wait for that. Just fired up and just just so mad at Mike Babcock. Just having a postseason pint talking about the Leafs getting destroyed in the first game on Thursday. Don't, don't, come on, Ryan. You can't end it on a negative note like that. Well, dude, like, come on. Come like, on. Everyone, ne- everyone knows. Just come on. No, I, I'm challenging you right now. End it on a positive note. I, I already, I already gave William Nylander more than an F. To me, that's enough positive I can <laughs> give. <laughs> Anyways. Thank you, everybody, for downloading. We will see you Thursday night after game one. Go Leafs, go. 
Hi, I'm Connie Teeson, the host of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast. We focus on Canada and the challenges facing Canadian radio and TV, as well as highlighting those moving the industry forward from podcasting and streaming to new broadcast tech. Check us out at broadcastdialogue.com or your favorite podcast app. To the Blue Hotel I wanna live at the Blue Hotel The podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares It's for the open-minded The pleasure seeker It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality. Theme-based with special guests. Blue Hotel Hotline at every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.